Today we're sitting down with Allison Verhalen. Allison is a content marketer and writing strategist who has always loved writing and people. It was only natural for her to major in English and psychology, and it turned out to be the perfect degree for content marketing. Although she didn't know at first what content marketing was, when she started writing blogs for law firms and other small businesses, she never looked back. She loves writing stories in a way that's compelling, speaks to a target audience, and most importantly, converts leads for the businesses she works for. Her also upcoming book, Content Marketing Made Easy, will be coming out in February and provide much more content for those looking to expand on this opportunity for their businesses. Here we go with Allison Verhalen. Allison, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Right. Look forward to learning a little bit more about you, your background, and, and what you're really doing to help small businesses. Why don't you start off a little bit and give us a little bit of historical background, educational, and and how you've come to start your own business. And I hear you have a book coming out. So tell us a little bit more about your background, how you got to that point. Yeah. Uh, so I've always, always loved writing. Uh, wanted to be a novelist when I was growing up. Was told that that was not a viable career option. That was a hobby. So I should choose a more practical career. And I was like, well, maybe if I can't make a living writing books, I can make a living making books. Um, so I ended up majoring in English and psychology. It's the perfect degree for content marketing. Had no idea what content marketing was. Was going to try to go into publishing um, so I could, you know, work with books. But uh, graduated in 2009, so there were no jobs to be had in publishing or really anywhere else. So, you know, I was a receptionist. I was in customer service. They were jobs. They were not careers. Found myself between jobs at one point, and my roommate at the time, her dad, who was an attorney, was awesome and offered to give me stuff to do around his office until I got back on my feet. And one of the things he needed was someone to write blog posts for his law firm. And he knew I had a strong writing background. He was tired of writing them himself. So he offered me the gig. I was more than happy to get paid to write because, again, that was the dream. So, yeah, I took over writing for his law firm and then for an associate of his and then for some friends of mine. Did eventually get another day job, but I kept writing on the side and the writing just kept growing to the point where I could not do both anymore. So quit the day job about seven years ago now, and I've been doing this full time ever since. No, oh, that's fantastic. It's great to hear stories where people aren't really sure there's a career in that. And when they put their heart and passion into something, and sometimes you have to freelance and kind of gut it out over a few years to kind of get there. But if you stay focused on it, there's a career in almost anything that you really yeah. want to dive into. So tell me about a little bit, you know, before we get to what you do, is I, I want to learn more about what content marketing is as well and how businesses can use writers like yourself to really augment their content marketing. But before we go there, talk to me about those years. So, you know, you want to be a writer. It's something you have a passion for. It's something you want to do, but people keep telling you, eh, that's not, that's not really possible. Yeah. What was that like? And how did you persevere through that? I think I've just always known that I'm going to be a writer. Um, I, I've read voraciously growing up. I'm still a big reader. I just, I can't imagine not writing. I think even going to college, I wasn't even planning to major in English, but I kept signing up for English classes. And at one point it was like, well, you might as well just declare. Um, so yeah, I can't, even if I were just to write as a hobby, it's not something I could ever see myself not doing it, it, in somewhere in my life, even if I'm not doing it professionally. 
So, yeah, and it was kind of interesting to hear, you know, on the one hand from my parents, that's not a viable career option. But anytime I talked to anyone else about how much I loved writing, they would talk about how important writing is in the world of business and how it's really needed to have good writing skills. It's a needed skill. Yeah, it's, it's also seemed to be seems to be a disappearing skill. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I'm not so sure that today's youth, I'll use my own kids as a really good example, uh, are going to be great writers uh, in their future. Uh, you know, they they may be good texters uh, and good mm-hmm. <laughs> and have really good emojis and acronyms, uh, but I'm not so sure that professional business writing is is really a trade that's being focused on at the younger age levels right now. So it seems to be somewhat of an art that's going to be very important as time goes on as well. Um, which, Allison, which if you don't mind, uh, I'd love to hop in on this. You're talking about your parents didn't really support what your dream was. You'd always known you were going to be that. You had your your parents, at least maybe some friends that didn't believe either in that dream or in you in that dream. That then ended up turning around to your dad was your first client where you're writing content for his law. No, firm. Is that correct? Nope. No, it okay. was my roommate's dad. Your roommate's dad. Got it. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, it resonates with that family or friends don't believe in their entrepreneurial dream. So... More specifically, I'd love to hear you expand on what does that feel like to you as you reflect back when you had this dream you were passionate about and you weren't believed in? And how did you mm-hmm. push beyond that with confidence that, no, this really is my dream and it is worth pursuing in light of some really important trusted people didn't, I mean, they thought you were wrong. Yeah, well, and it is interesting because they're they're having kind of mixed messages from my parents. I do want to clarify, I love my parents. They're great people. I have great relationships with them. Um, and they're, to a big extent, they're the reason that I was a big reader and a big writer. Um, my dad, when I was growing up, you know, we had an allowance. We had to pay. If we wanted a toy, we had to pay for our own toys. But books, he would always pay for books, no questions asked. If we wanted a book, he would buy it for us because he wanted us to read. Um, once we got to the point where we were right, reading like semi-adult stuff, we would even share books. There were always books around. My parents are both big readers. So to that extent, like, and my mom was a big read- reader and a big one who kept pushing some of my early favorite authors on me, like Louisa May Alcott. I think she's the one who introduced me to Little Women. She's the one who introduced me to Jane Austen. These people who were my idols growing up and are still my idols were introduced to me by um, by my parents. So on the one hand, they were very supportive of my reading. They read my short stories when I was growing up. They thought it was a great hobby for me to have, but they, they did not think that it was going to be a good um, uh, career option. So yeah, it was kind of, I got, I got kind of both. And even when I told my parents that I was going to quit my job and, and do this entrepreneurial thing full time, I also got kind of mixed messages because my dad owns his own business. So he thought it was kind of cool that I was breaking out on my own and doing this. My mom has always been the one who panics if she doesn't have a stable paycheck. So she was like, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) And, and tried to talk me out of it. So it's, um, 
but yeah, I just, as far as pushing back on, on, you know, other people's expectations, I just, I've just always had this, uh, I don't know, kind of in your face attitude. Not that I think of myself as a rebel, but I think when you just really know at your core that you're going to do something, you, you don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. And I've just, I've just always been that person of, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. And you might not think that I can do it, but I, I've seen other people over here writing for a living and they make it work. So it, it can work for me too. Mm, that's great. It, it does follow a, I think you said voracious reader, then turning to, hey, I'd like to write some of this. What doesn't always follow is now I'm going to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. So how, what resources did you use to learn about business? Because there are probably a lot of, a lot of people uh, who are younger, who are like, I like writing. Uh, I'd love to be able to make money doing it. There are lots of components to being an entrepreneur that are mm-hmm. not about writing. So yeah. who are the people? What are the books that you read on business? What are the, like, how did you go from, sitting in a room writing to Mm -hmm. business owner. Mm -hmm. It's a process. It's still a process. There's a lot that I'm still learning. Um, But again, my dad owns his own business. So um, there's a lot that I can ask him. Um, Networking has been super helpful for me, networking with other entrepreneurs. I joined the Chamber of Commerce shortly after taking this full time. I've joined other networking groups, um, having those those resources where there's usually a, a training component involved with the networking, plus just having that group of entrepreneurs that you can go, hey, I, I need such and such, or I, I don't know what I'm doing here. What, what do you do with this has been super helpful. Um, I've read a bunch, obviously, books, the internet are, are huge for me. I think one of the first ones I read when I decided I was going to make this my, my full-time thing was called The Wealthy Writer. And I don't remember the author's name, <laughs> um, but yeah, because I, I wanted to know how to make this a viable career. How do I reach out to people? Um, yeah. It seems to me, you know, when I talk to different want to be entrepreneurs, in other words, they're working in corporate America as an example, and they're like, man, I wish I could go start my own business. I'd say nine out of 10, if not more have this philosophy that they need to have a business that's going to replace their income right away. They're going to leave their job and start a company and that's going to be able to pay for their bills and, and you know, replace their income. And the faultiness of that is it takes time. And, you know, the one thing you did that I think a lot of entrepreneurs or, or people who want to have their own business need to understand that if you had a passion in something, doesn't matter, it could be music, could be writing, could be running a pizza shop. If you had a passion about something and you could spend five to seven years learning it as a side hustle to what you're currently doing, mm-hmm. to be able to earn the opportunity to then replace your income and have be do it for the rest of your life, would you do it? And what happens is a lot of people procrastinate. They're like, well, I'm not going to make enough money, so I'm just going to stay in my job. And then five years later, COVID happens, they get laid off. Like, oh, man, I wish I did that. Uh, So I think one of the big things you did that is is a recipe for success is being willing to gut it out, being willing to have different jobs as you're trying to learn how to make your passion a full-time career. Uh, So Mm -hmm. kudos to that because not a lot of people do that. They, They just... 
they either want it cold turkey. They want the full compensation they're going to make in starting up a business. So then they leave their job. They get, they take on investment capital. They aren't able to get it done. And three years later, they're back in corporate America again. And sometimes yeah. that slow gutted out side hustle until you make it a full-time uh, entrepreneurial venture is the way to go. And that's what you've done. I think it's a fantastic example of success. So great job there. Let's go to what you do. And, and more specifically, like our podcast is focused on entrepreneurs, right? And learning uh, tips and tricks and things that we could do as entrepreneurs to help our businesses grow or be more successful. I'm not 100% sure I understand what content marketing is either. And you said that you didn't really know what it was either when you first started. I know what digital marketing is. I know what paid SEO is. I know what SEO is. I know what paid is. Like, I can't understand some of those. But when you say content marketing, what does that mean exactly? And then we can get a little bit to what you're seeing that could really help businesses. Yeah, well, they're all related. I mean, you mentioned digital marketing and marketing and SEO and PPC. They're all uh, interconnected. So content marketing, the definition, I believe, is any content you create with the intention of marketing your business. Okay. So um, I, I do written content. I don't do visual content, but visual content is included in that definition. You've got videos, you've got infographics, you've got the visuals, uh, your logo is, is content marketing. So all of that, um, I, yeah, I, I go with the content marketing because I don't want to list off while well, I write blog posts, I write eBooks for my clients. I write press releases. I write their website landing pages and their newsletters and all, all of that. It, it is a very, very broad term. So yeah, people can get kind of bogged down. What what exactly is that? <laughs> okay. So if we define your space specifically, I think it's a great point. Way too many people, and we've talked to a few marketing people on this episode, they're like, look, not all marketing people are created equal. Some people are really good at video. Some people are really good at graphics. Some people are good, really good at writing. Some people are really good at logo creation. Some people are really good at you know different things, paid SEO, on and on and on and on. And way too many times, I think companies hire a marketing person and expect them to be a good writer, but they're not a good writer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're a good creative mind, but they don't mm -hmm. like to write. So where I, where I, I think I understood you said, look, where I specialize in content marketing is the writing side. And on the writing side, it's anything from mm -hmm. landing pages, newsletters, um, you know, uh, press releases, I think is a big one. Uh, that you talked about. I'm assuming email marketing, you know, the, the mm -hmm. in conjunction with newsletters that people are starting to get away from. Is that yep. correct? Yes. Okay. And when you work, do you work directly with businesses? So do businesses hire you directly as their content marketing writer in terms of, Hey, I want a newsletter out every month or, Hey, we just bought a company. Can you do a press release for me? Or do you work for agencies? How do you work directly or indirectly with the clients? I've done it both ways, actually. I, I do work with a lot of clients where I work directly with the client, uh, talking about you know what what they need and creating the content for them. And then I have some agencies I'm involved with where I'm writing for their clients. Okay, okay. And you know this this is kind of a, a an obvious statement, but the point of marketing is to generate business, right? So you could write something uh, that is very nice, but it doesn't do anything. It just educates somebody. What is your angle on the writing you do generating business, generating cl potential clients? How, how, what angle do you take in that regard? Well, there are a few different angles. So on the one hand, you have to know who you're writing for. You have to know who the target audience is. 
what keywords they're using so that you can actually show up in front of them when they're looking for you and then create content that high quality content that actually answers their questions. And you need to identify where they are in the buyer journey when they encounter that piece of content. So a blog post is a great example. In most cases, a blog post is just informational. Someone is just aware that they have a problem. They're not quite sure that they want to buy yet. They're just looking to get some information. That's where your blog post comes in. So depending on your business and the length of your funnel, first of all, always have a call to action. I see that as a big mistake that a lot of companies make is they don't have a call to action or their call to action is something that doesn't drive results. Like, comment on our blog and okay, yeah, that'll that'll boost your SEO a bit, but that's not going to convert that prospect. So have a call to action that actually makes sense for where they are in the buyer journey. So if you have if you have a short sales funnel and you can write a blog post and that will prompt someone to buy from you, great. Have them click that buy button. But if it's a longer sales funnel, um, if you're in B2B, if you're in professional services, that might take a little bit longer before they're ready to buy. So a call to action for your blog post might make more sense if it's something like sign up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. So you can keep pushing that great content in front of them. And then again, use those channels to promote stuff that you're selling, whether it's a promotion you're running or a new product or service, that's, that's when you can convert those leads. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, I love this angle because there are writers who can write uh, obviously. And there are writers who have an angle to, I'm not just writing for the sake of writing. I'm, I'm writing for the sake of the call to action <laughs> for return on investment, right. To get mm-hmm. somebody to take action. What I captured here was, you know, when, when you're doing what you're doing, you need to know who your target audience is, who, what the buyer persona is. So you're, you know, if you're, if you're trying to target attorneys as your first example, when you're writing for attorneys, you have to write maybe a little bit differently with different words that you're using in sophistication than if you're trying to write for sports as an example, Mm -hmm. right? So know your target audience, know the keywords that people will search for. I mean, that's interesting because I, you know, when people write, you know, you got to be thinking about what do people in this industry search for? Let's make sure those words are in my post or my whatever, uh, write content that's going to answer their questions to so know what questions they may have and make sure it answers them. Uh, that may be, you know, that may follow the question I have about clickbait. <laughs> um, because a lot of times I click on stuff because the clickbait is answering a question I want to know. Um, yeah. and where are they in the buying process? And then the last, but the most important part you focused on was call to action, mm-hmm. right? Uh, make sure you're generating a lead or generating a sale or purchase from it. Do you track um, your ROI or lead generations from the activities you do for businesses? I personally do not. I do always encourage my prospects, uh, my clients to have Google Analytics um, and to have a system to track. So if if it is something like sign it up for a newsletter, know, you know, know where your newsletter subscribers are coming from. Most of your email marketing campaigns will will tell you that someone clicked on this link over here and that's how we got them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is that is something that I do for my own website. I, I do make sure that I know where people are coming from. I know which links they're clicking on um, mm-hmm. to, to get into my funnel. Okay. So talk to me about the investment here. So I'm a small business. I run a service company in a marketplace. 
why should I be spending money on writing? What's what's the what's the return on investment I'm seeking or what's the what's the benefit? Why why should I do it versus just pay for AdWords or you know, do advertising? Well, they you know, once I mean if you're paying for ads, you need that ad to lead to content, don't you? And then you need the content to convert the the prospect that clicked on that ad. Um, and there are a lot of businesses that waste money on ads that that don't work. I actually have that problem with the client right now. We're, we're reworking the content on her website because people are clicking on the ads and they are not following through and they are not buying from her. So that means there's a, a problem with the content. So that is first and foremost is, I mean, you can you can spend all that money on ads, but if the content is not converting them, then that's wasted money. Um, and PPC and SEO, I believe, should go hand in hand. Um, they, they work better when they're together. You can get PPC when you're first starting out and don't have a strong SEO presence. But there are a fair number of people who will skip over the ads and go straight to the, the links that rank organically to find stuff. And there are a lot of companies where you'll see the ad and then like right below the ad, you'll see their organic link yeah. because they've, they've got both going. They've got that strong SEO and yet can't have strong SEO without a ton of content and really high quality content. Is that how you demonstrate to your existing and prospective clients it's worth paying for a writer is coming back and analyzing conversion rates pre-working with you and then post-working with you? Or are there other ways that you can demonstrate an ROI to a client? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's that. And there's also looking, I have my own tools where I can look at the traffic coming to their website. So if I'm you know, trying to get someone and I see they don't have a lot of traffic coming to their website, I, I can go, I can help you with that. Um, and then they're seeing where that traffic is going. Is, is it going to the, the, the blog posts? Are there landing pages that are getting ignored and not getting a lot of content is, or a lot of traffic? Are there ways that we can drive traffic there? So yeah, actually, um, my first client, my roommate's dad, he was the one tracking it um, when I first started writing for him. And I, I was just writing like four blog posts a month for him. Um, and at the end of six months, he told me I had brought in $75,000 worth of business to his law firm. Oh. He was not paying me $75,000 to write blog posts for him. So <laughs> I bet he got a pretty good ROI on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm curious... What types of requests do you get from your customers that you are not equipped to handle those requests and you turn to a partner? Uh, what are those types of things and who do you partner with? Uh, I have, a again, I do a lot of networking. So I have a pretty extensive network and a fair number of people I can I can partner with. Uh, one of the big ones is social media. They hear I do writing and they they think I also do social media. I really don't do social media. I probably could if I wanted to. It's just not my sweet spot. It's not what I want to focus on. But again, I know other people who do do social media, so I, I can hand that work off to them. Uh, another big one is people hear that I do website content, and I think they hear website, and they think it's all one thing. They think the web design and the content and the graphic design is all one thing, and it's really not. So they'll come to me and be like, I need a new website. Can you do that for me? Like, I can do the content. I'm not going to design it for you, but I do know a fair number of web designers I can hook you up with. Mm, good, thanks. And for those listeners that we have that either say, 
I'm not big enough to spend money on content right now, even though the counter sale is you're going to make more money if you do. But if they go, I don't have, I'm not big enough. I don't have money to spend on content or someone that says, I already have someone on staff who does content. What resources would you recommend they can tap into? Is there like a golden book or two that you're like, boy, if I could recommend something to anyone, if they're not going to hire me and you want to get a little bit better, go to Mm -hmm. this as a resource. What is that? Yeah, well, I appreciate this awesome lead into my book that I have coming out called uh, Content Marketing Made Easy. That is all about uh, how to how to blog better, how to get your SEO and your content working together so that you can show up in front of your target audience. Um, there's also a content strategy uh, book by, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on her name. There are a number of good resources out there. Um, I also have a training program that I run uh, through Facebook that, again, I go live every week in there. I'm available to answer questions about blogging and SEO. So that's a resource. And then there's my blog, which is totally free. And that's on on my website. So there's a ton of information there on, again, blogging, SEO, planning pages, keyword research, all that good stuff. And would you mind just giving a plug for what is your website or how would people find you and your training and that type of thing? Yeah, so the website is just my initials. So A and then V is in Victor, writingservices.com. And you can just go slash blog and you'll find it there. And my blogging training program is on there as well. It's uh, the blogging group coaching program. So it would be avwritingservices.com slash blogging group coaching program. And one of the things you offer, you said was training. So if somebody does have a staff member who does content, uh, you would train them. Is that correct? Yes. And access to that is also on your website, I assume? Yep. Yeah. Everything is on my website. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, Can you speak to the role that you said you have a degree in um, both English and psychology? And Mm -hmm. when you had talked about a call to action, there's a bit of psychology involved in that, right? Can you speak to the degree to which psychology is used in your writing and why that's important? Great question. Yeah, it is super important because you need to know what motivates people to buy. Um, and at the end, it does come down to emotions. It comes down to survival. How uh, How is this going to help me survive and or thrive in my environment? Um, and all of that comes back to psychology and, and the way we think and how we decide what's important and what's not. Um, There's a fair amount. Everyone talks about like finding your niche, right? And being authentic and finding your tribe. We are very tribal people. So if you can convey in your, your content and on your website that, hey, I'm part of your tribe, we are the same in some way. That is really powerful to get people to buy from you, even if they don't need your product or service, but they're going to want to support you because you're part of their tribe. So if you succeed, they succeed. So I heard connecting on emotions. Uh, there's something around survival that everybody is attracted to. And then the last one I heard was connect as you are part of their tribe, even though you're a new person in the tribe that you're part Mm -hmm. of it. You're, you're Mm -hmm. like them. Did I miss anything in there or do you have anything to add to that? I think those are the the big ones. Okay. So Allison, I, I, 
I'm struggling with something. I've been struggling with it for a while. And I think you can help me get over the hump. Uh, and, and, and it deals with authentic thought leadership. Mm-hmm. So when you went to work for this attorney, you started mm-hmm. writing some blog posts. It generates business. Mm-hmm. I deduced through that that the, 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 what you were writing uh, was being searched by people. People were reading the articles. We're like, wow, I want to work with this law firm. I'm going to go work, you know, sign up. But, you know, the concept of ghostwriting. So, for example, if I hired you, we hired you, excuse me, to write for and blog for Entrepreneurs United. Mm-hmm. And we were like, look, Allison, these are the topics we want you to write about. We want to publish that. Uh, and you do that as a ghostwriter for our business, right? And people then call to action, they sign up, they want to, you know, do things with Entrepreneurs United, whatever that may be. Um, how do you, wh- where's the line between, you know, I'm putting my name on an article that you wrote as a ghostwriter for our business, or, you know, how does that work in your mind in terms of the authenticity of ghostwriting, thought leadership, and writing for businesses? Yeah, well, there's a lot of research that goes into it. I did start out writing for a business law firm, so I know way more about business law and employment law than I ever thought I would. Sure. Um, And then there's, with new clients, I spend a lot of time uh, researching their voice, whether that's interviewing them or listening to videos where they're talking, reading content they've already written, because I do want the content to sound like them. I don't want it to sound like me because then it will attract my audience and, and that's not what we're trying to do. Um, And people can always tell people can always, you know, it's like the teachers reading your, your paper that you didn't really write. Like it's, it's usually really obvious when, when someone else wrote it. So I, I put a lot of research into making sure that, um, that it sounds like my client and not like me. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, if our, if our listeners start seeing more articles from Entrepreneurs United, they may know where this came from, but uh, I'm not a very good writer, but I have a lot that I sometimes want to say, but I didn't get a piece of paper out or I tried to write a few articles. I'm like, eh, this, this isn't very hot, but I thought the topic was really good to begin with, uh, but I couldn't really put it into a proper framework that people would read and go, okay, this is value added to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of my hesitation in hiring a ghost writer or working with someone who can write for my business or my businesses has been, well, I don't, it's not me. It's, it's not, you know, it's not fully me and therefore I'm not comfortable. Can you help me get over that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I've, I've done that with clients where they, they give me a list of bullet points. These are what I want to cover, you know, make sure you cover these points in the blog post. I've done it with, um, there's one attorney I work with who will send me a newspaper article about a case and be like, you know, turn this into a blog post. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've even done it with clients who will uh, do a voice memo. If they're not really strong writers, but they can talk about it all day, they'll record themselves talking about something and send it to me and have me turn it into a blog post. So Mm -hmm. I've done it all different ways. Um, And I think the big struggle for a lot of business owners is time. Is is you struggling to write something I, I think your your options are either you struggle to write something and the reality is usually you don't get it out at all <laughs> or you pay someone like me to to get it done and get it done well and make sure that it gets done on time. Correct. Well, 99% of entrepreneurs fall in that first bucket and I'm I'm certainly one of them. I would like to get more content out that I have here. I have in my head, Rich and I talk about content all the time, but the ability to get it down on paper and and 
put it out there uh, is difficult. However, when you think about brands, you know, entrepreneurs need to also think about their brand and their thought leadership. And uh, that's a big category. I think a lot of people uh, are focused on right now as being a thought leader in their space. Um, and I think writing is one way to be a thought leader in any industry that you're in. If people see the content you're putting out as a resource um, and so, you know, certainly something I would encourage all entrepreneurs to be looking at and something that I think we should be talking about maybe further with you, Allison, is, you know, I think we need to do that uh, some more uh, as entrepreneurs. Uh, John, one of the things, have, John, I have a question for her uh, yeah. that may help you get over the hump. Okay, please go for it. Um, I think I might already be there, but you can go for it. Allison, anyway. uh, <laughs> uh, can you describe when you say you, you really take on the voice of the client? So you either don't change the content and you just express it better and more cohesively, or if you do change the content, it's in the voice of the client. So there is consistency. So what does a process of working with you look like? So let's say John's a client of yours for the last three months. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, Allison, I'm ready to uh, do a blog. I got an idea. How would he engage with you? Does he send you something in writing? Do you have a phone conference? Like, can you walk through the process of John has an idea to Allison has written something that is great? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a great question. Yeah. So I did touch on this earlier in that I've done it in a variety of ways. I do have the one client who will email me something, say, hey, here's a newspaper article, turn it into a blog post, make sure it sounds like us and has the great call to action. I also have other clients who give me free reign. They order four blog posts per month. They want it at the end of the month. I'm in charge of of coming up with the content, uh, the topics, the keywords, writing it, as long as it's in their inbox by the end of the month, that's all they care about. Um, most of them will at least read it before putting it up on their website. Some of them will make some changes before putting it up. Um, and then I've had other clients who will look it over and then be like, okay, great. You put it up on my website. Cause I, I don't want to do this. So as, as long as they are comfortable giving me access to their website, that is also something that I have done. So it really runs the gamut with whatever you're comfortable with, how much you want to be hands-on, how much you want to be hands-off. I've had some clients who start really hands-on and once they feel comfortable that I'm writing in their voice, they don't even check my work anymore. They send it to their assistant to put up on their website and they go, okay, great. That's done. Don't have to worry about it. Sure. And that makes sense. People wanting to read, what are you saying about my concept? Until they're like, okay, uh, I get that you're going to say it in a way that does uh, express authenticity. Yeah. Well, one of the things, uh, Rich, I don't even talk to you about this, but something that we're currently working on behind the scenes now, uh, we've been recording episode now, we're in season three of our episodes, you know, and uh, getting soon close to probably 100 episodes. And uh, one of the things we never did is, we, although we would publish the podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube, we never really created blog posts of all of our episodes and the content has been phenomenal, just like today's. And so one of the things that we're doing behind the scenes is we're transcribing all of the episodes into blog posts so that every episode will also have a blog post on our site and, and, and the written content 
And you know exactly where I'm going with this, Allison, which is now if somebody's going to search up Allison and writing, our blog post may come up and they'll learn more about you and Entrepreneurs United by default. We just got to make sure we have our call to action somewhere in there. And I'm not sure what that is yet, but we'll figure that one out. <laughs> or we yeah, can work absolutely. with Allison and she'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> there you, there go. you go. That's that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. So uh, Allison, really appreciate your time. I love the story of how you found your passion early and worked really, really hard to make it something that you would want to dive in. I also love how focused you are. You know exactly what area you are the best at and you stay in that area. You're not going to go design websites and kind of, you know, too many people get too broad. You stay very, very focused mm -hmm. and, and you try and be the best that you can be in that particular area of focus. So I really, really love that. Love your story. Can't wait for your book to come out. And oh, by the way, we should probably talk after this episode about Entrepreneurs United blogs. So I uh, appreciate your time. Thank awesome. You, Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. Rich, have you ever written an article that you've published or a book or something that you've published externally? Not to the general public, no. I've written yeah. lots of content that has been distributed, uh, for example, with Certipro that's been distributed to hundreds at times, if not thousands of people within Certipro, but not to the general public. Okay. And just from a thought leader, like I see you as a very strong thought leader, a lot of content. Thank you. Why not? Like, why why have you not written an article about a specific topic that you have expertise in and published it to the world so they could be impacted by those learnings? What, what has prevented you from doing that? Hmm. First of all, I'll say I think it's an opportunity for me. Um, I have started writing small pockets of information mm -hmm. uh, when they come about. So it's like when I, when I work with people or if I coach people, sometimes we get into a particular area or topic that is really resonant for both myself and the person who I'm working with. Yeah. And I, when I think of it, and I don't always think of it, but when I think of it, I'm like, boy, I bet that would resonate for other people. Yeah. And I have made a note and have several titles of, you know, what, I don't know if they're blogs or not, but they're like yeah, two to five paragraph topics that I could write on. I probably have under five of them written. Yeah. I probably have another 10 topics that I've noted, but I don't always think of it. It's not yeah. always front and center for me. Yeah. Um, that would be why. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there's businesses that are trying to generate leads. And part of the way that businesses generate leads is to be a thought leader. Their business is a thought leader in a space. So they publish content with call to action. Then there's also individual impact, like the, the amount of um, knowledge and information that uh, some leaders have. Uh, when they publish that stuff, it's pretty valuable. Uh, and, you know, podcasting certainly has been a mechanism to disseminate information recently. But written's not going away anytime soon. And, you know, I, I, I know myself, I scroll uh, articles on news feeds and, and, you know, sometimes fall for the clickbait like I talked about and we'll read through an article that has a quick few points, whether it be leadership or business or, you know, things that are going on. And for myself, I just always had a, like, almost like a, a writer's block. Like, you know, even the times I've thought about putting something out, you know, I'd get through it and like, it doesn't sound right. I couldn't get my, what I was trying to say, but if I had a conversation with a leader and I was coaching them through something at the end of it, it was like, well, wow, that was really good content. Uh, I wish I could put that out 
further other than just the audible conversation that I had with that person. So mm-hmm. that was something that kind of highlighted to me here today in this conversation was how many leaders have so much content that they're just not putting out because they don't have someone like Allison to help them. I'll tell you, it might be an opportunity for something for you to I, you and I to work on together. Uh, what I selected that I've not taken massive action on mm-hmm. is just the idea of something short. You know, when you when you pick up a book and like there's a different chapter every other page and yep. it's in nice large print, it's very easy to read and yep. cutting out the fluff. You know, yep. I'm I'm obviously a big book reader and I will tell on myself and there's an element element of me that I will recommend to others. Yeah. Very few if any of the books that I read do I finish because I can read a book if I pick up the first two to three major impactful points I could take action on and do something with. Yeah. Predictably, the majority of the time, the rest of the book is reiterating that in different ways. Yep. And I don't ne- I don't need you to reiterate it in a bunch of different ways so that you could have a 250-page book so you could sell it for $24.95 <laughs> instead of selling it for $12.95 because it's only yep. a 60 page book. I, if I'm going to publish anything at any time, I think it's going to be closer to the 60 page book that is not redundant, that every word is intentional, that is of value and high power and worth the time of the reader uh, within the context of that very short chapter. So yeah, yeah, I would, I'd invite you, maybe we talk offline or maybe we talk online at some point about maybe uh, pairing up doing something with this. Yeah, I think it's something. It's a huge opportunity for. I'm inspired by Allison. Yeah, no, absolutely. To take to that point, like I, I can't speak enough about how someone has a passion and keeps working towards it until they get there. Um, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before. The Venn diagram of what does success look like, right? There's three circles, and it's what can you be the best in the world at. What are you most passionate about and what can drive your economic engine? And way too many times we are very passionate about something, but they may not be the best at it and they can't make any money doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And once they can figure out those three circles together, you find success because you live every day doing what you really were meant to do and love, you know, what you're doing. And so very excited uh, to to hear that story from Allison because she had, you know, she had to persevere through those times and trying to get there. And now you hear her talk and it's not just about writing, it's about call to action and generating leads and, you know, ROI and, you know, the example of working for a law firm and generating $75,000 of the business by thought leadership right off the bat. Just think about local small businesses that could do some thought leadership out there and be a thought leader in their community with their small businesses. I think that's the way to go. People want to feel connected to to businesses and that will generate a lot of business. So I I agree. Very, uh, very excited to have that conversation. And, you know, I'm not, and I think you and I have talked about this before at some point, uh, but I'll speak for myself. I'm not a big believer that because you have a college degree in something, it must mean you're good at it. I think if you have a college degree in it, it represents interest and perseverance to uh, have hit the marks to acquire that degree. And then there needs to be experience in that area. I will say the combination of the degrees though, of English in psychology, and then her application of that, I think it's wonderfully powerful. And I think it's very needed. I know a lot of what you may call thought leaders, that upon having conversation with them, they will speak about the entirety of their thought. 
sometimes I'll speak about it very spatially, like in the order that they constructed it in. And sometimes you just get lost. And sometimes I find myself sitting there trying to distill in the conversation with them, what are the most important parts of what they're saying? And then sometimes I'll validate that back. And they're like, oh, you said that much better than I think I even said it. Thanks for consolidating that. I used a lot of words. That's the value of somebody like Allison. It's not that entrepreneurs don't have really good ideas. I think we do. It's that sometimes the expression of those ideas does not resonate with the audience because we're expressing the ideas in a way that resonates for us and not always translating that for how it resonates with the people we're communicating to. Yeah. And she said it best too. And and kind of some of the stuff she talked about, you got to write content that's going to answer the questions. Yes. Their questions, not yours. Yes. Totally. Yeah, no, loved it. And uh, yeah, as you said, huge opportunity for us. Let's uh, let's take that challenge. And maybe uh, there'll be some more Entrepreneurs United articles coming out. Just we need some help from Allison. 